1: Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye ever goings on Ellen Road giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the scrambling for positives of the podcast. At least we can focus on the league now. And I'm joined by the boundless optimism of the podcast, Joe Hill. Next year will be the year we win an FA Cup game. And finally, the three substitutions at half-time of the podcast, ruining everything. Darren Driver, Darren Hading.
2: Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. I'm. uh, I'm actually looking forward to to getting on with talking about some nice bog standard league football instead of getting sort of uh, all tied down in in nonsensical cup (laughs) adventures, which which are never, you know, never that exciting anyway. So yeah, I'm good. Good. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to today. It's
1: weird because I think the Crawley game seems so far away at this point that I, I I feel like completely zen about it. But Joe, how are you feeling about the the Crawley result?
3: Well, uh, to tell you the truth, I'd kind of forgotten that we that we had to talk about that. <laughs> I was sort of looking forward to the to the Brighton match and doing all my preparation, and then looked at the schedule and realized that uh, yeah, we have to we have to do a, a little debrief about that. So I'm kind of just getting back into that mindset of. Um, depression uh, (laughs) which is how i felt after the game um but no i do i do sort of agree with you that now i I am a i am over it now and i'm just kind of like yeah whatever it's happened and let's just move on and focus on the league
1: yeah and i guess we did say we were going to do a little bit of a debrief before this podcast sort of kicked in um in many respects, the big question is like, how important do we think it actually is on the in the grand scheme of things? Now, I know that's an easy thing for a Leeds fan to say after we've been tonked in the cup by a fourth tier team, but again, <laughs> <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a few. Yeah. Um, but how do we how do we take something like this? Is it something that we just have to accept? Was was the result of some some bad in game management and uh, and and take the positives from it or do you think there's anything we can actually learn from it
3: i think there will be there will be things that we can learn from it um particularly i think bielsa was probably looking to learn something from it i think that was his um That was the reasoning behind his three substitutions at half time is because he wanted to see what happened. he wanted to learn things he wanted to try players in different positions and unusual positions, and obviously it completely flopped um so I think in that sense you know that that 's weirdly a positive in that we 've we 've gathered information about certain players and about what level they 're really at um so I guess, yeah, going forward into future games in the Premier League, we we can we can sort of take this as a
2: as a sort of marker to where some players are at.
1: Darren, does this even matter?
2: I have to say, I I don't think it does. And and normally, you know, when I'm watching a Leeds game, I'm I'm stood up. I've got my nose three inches away from the screen. I'm I'm kicking every ball. I'm heading every ball. I'm making every tackle. I'm swearing and I'm effing and blinding. I'm getting all carried away. But I have to say that my intensity around the game on Sunday was was about that of the players, i.e. not terribly interested and uh you know like t- to be honest when the third goal went in I, I just laughed I-, I-, I just didn't know what else to do because you, you can't get angry you know can't get angry about it because it's it's not in any way a meaningful fixture which will-, which will define our season in any way shape or form but I just I just kind of let the whole thing wash over me really in a way which is very unusual for me in a competitive game I can't ever remember a competitive League United defeat hurting me less
1: do you think that's just because we're in a context now where, in previous years, the the FA Cup and the the League Cup were um, the only opportunities opportunities we had to play against the top sides, and now we're in the Premier League, we now get to see them on a on a, a weekly basis, and um, we're much more concerned this season about staying up so that we can preserve that position.
2: Well, absolutely, and I, I think I think Bielsa's team selection was instructive. He he clearly didn 't care all that much about winning the game, or he would have put out a more coherent team which was designed to win the game and the substitutions at half time again were very 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 revealing, I thought because you know it, it wasn't a, a, it wasn 't a sequence of moves which which he thought were going to win the game. I think he just wanted to look at those players and and let the result hang whichever way it went really so i I think that the whole the whole kind of setup up of the team the whole Um, intensity with with, with which the players approached it, was was really instructive as to where the FA Cup or any cup football sits in our list of priorities, irrespective of what Bielsa said about the competition before and after the game.
1: Yeah, and I think this was a conversation that we had in the group chat in that I think a lot of people take at face value a lot of the things Marcelo Bielsa says in his press conferences, largely because he's perceived of as being authentic. But my observation through... Um, the last few seasons and also just having done a huge amount of research into the press conferences he's given in the past is that he uses press conferences as much as a way of geeing up his team as he does about explaining what's going on. And so in previous seasons, we've seen um, Bielsa say that about seven or eight players are the most important
2: players in, in the team at one point. With Pontus Janssen, as he just sold him. Pontus is my most important player and I've just sold him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think
1: part of the reason he does that is just to is just because he realises it's a real psychological boost to those players. And so I think I would read him coming out and saying the FA Cup is important to us in that sense, that he's not just going to come out and say, yeah, you know, the, the FA Cup isn't important to us. That's why we're playing all of these youngsters. He's saying, no, it is important and we're playing all of these youngsters in a, in a way to, to say to them, look, I'm taking you guys seriously um, as as players. Um, The the question that was asked as well in in the group chat, and I'll pass this over to you, Joe, is does Bielsa overrate the kids too much?
3: I'm not sure he does. I think I think he has a good hold on where they're at and I think he probably knew that it was going to disrupt the flow of the game um making those three substitutions. You know, he he's not he's not stupid and he knows that taking off Cooper and, you know, put putting on the juniors is is probably going to disrupt the flow of the game. Um one thing we we did also mention in the in the chat was that, you know, if you if you just put one of the kids in Um, into the starting 11, like when Shackleton goes in or or Strauch or, you know, even someone a bit younger, maybe Davis, um, you know, it's probably fine and it doesn't really disrupt the team and they they sort of step up to the level that everyone else is at. But when you're making four or five changes and then the few seniors that we do have on the pitch are are in different positions anyway, because, you know, Phillips is a centre-back and Harrison's a number nine, then I just think there's yeah, but it was it was sort of obvious once he'd made those changes what was gonna happen and, you know, that's just the way it played out.
2: I don't think he overrates the players at all. I I, I think it's more a case of that if he's not gonna send them out on loan, he's got very few opportunities to look at players who normally play under twenty three level in an actual competitive game of men's football. Because I think the, the what what is apparent is that the under twenty three level where we kind of you know the the 23s really have it their own way in 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 the division that they're playing in and 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 they look great at that level but i think when you when you put put them up against um players who were either at a higher level but have dropped down uh, for whatever reason like like the lad that scored the first goal for Crawley who was a, well, I think was very highly thought of at one point and then got got a, a, a severe injury um or you you you're up against grizzled professionals who who you know kind of aren't going to put up with any bullshit on the pitch, or you're up against um, reality TV stars uh, who who are there to make a name for themselves, and I think I think it becomes something very different. I think I think he yeah I think I think Joe's absolutely right. If you'd have put if you'd have put Sam Greenwood in or Jack Jenkins or one of the other you know one of the other young players and, and given them a chance to kind of. To play then you might have seen a different outcome I think what was, what was really evident to me is that the players that set our standards weren't on the pitch so Luke Aylin, Patrick Bamford, Matthias Click and, and even to an extent Stuart Dallas who I know isn't the greatest quality in the world but certainly sets a standard in, ter- in terms of application, in terms of running, in terms of what's expected um, I think it was really clear that, that once the, you take those players out who are effectively the core of the team we look at very very different prospects
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. With that in mind, I guess um, the question then becomes, is there anything we can take away from the game tactically? Because as we noted on, and and it has been noted on our channel, um, and people have tweeted in saying this, uh, it was another three-three-one-three, and yet another failure to impress in that formation. Do we read anything into that? Um, I, I, and I think you know, my gut response would be yes, we can in the first half at least, because um, we did we did sort of set out a team to play in that formation, and regardless of the halftime um, substitutions, there was an attempt to to play that system, and I think it was like largely successful. We didn't create enough, obviously, but. Um, Let's talk about the three-three-one-three. Is it? We'll start with you, Darren. Is it? Is it the case that the three-three-one-three isn't working this season for a reason?
2: I think that where it where it's largely breaking down is in the areas that we've identified in the podcast has been has been areas. <coughs> excuse me, where we need um, reinforcements in the team. So I think we desperately need a left wing-back or left full-back who can play that role effectively in order to to make that system work. Um, I think we desperately need all the centre-backs fit so that we can move Luke Ayling up into the right wing-back positions for his ball progression and his use of the ball. I think it shows that we desperately need reinforcements in the midfield area. I'm not naive enough to think that the club don't know that, but I I suspect that, that that won't happen in in this winter window anyway. But I, I think it definitely tells us something about the personnel. And um I think the, the areas in which the injuries have hit us have been largely centre back this season. And I think Luke Ayling and Pascal Pascal Stroke are are really, really good centre backs, but particularly with Ailing, if you move him into into the centre back role you lose him from the role where he where he really makes, you know, makes a real difference to games. And I think that becomes very apparent, particularly when we when we play the three three one three system.
1: I was interested that we didn't have Cody Dramay on the bench um just because because of that reason because I kind of thought you know if you're going to chuck anyone on of 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 any of our 23s of the players who've looked good and I know you I mean look we've been saying Jack Jenkins looks great in the 23s and he does look great in the 23s but he came on and looked completely lost in that game um and I think it's it's good to have a reminder that you know, it's not simply good enough to be to be bawling out in the 23s to to earn your place in the in the full uh, in the senior squad. And it, it we again Pascal Strauch is another great example of this because the first sight we had of Pascal Strauch in the full team was uh, in the Cardiff game last season um, when when we gave away a three nil lead, and um, you know none of us at that point in time would have thought. We would ever see Pascal Strauch coming in and, and and playing to the level that he has done. So, I, I get that it's it, it, we shouldn't be making gut dis- judgments and decisions based on that forty-five minutes, of course. But um, I, I was surprised that we didn't try someone like Cody Drame out because he does seem and to be, too. I think, our our best right back option. Um, so, the, I suppose for me, like the, the the confusion for me was that there didn't really seem to be any logic or reason into as to which of the the youngsters was brought on um do we really need to know how good jack jenkins is going to be in the central defensive midfield role when we've got plenty of players who would play ahead of him um if one of those players were were to be suspended or injured um and, you know, whereas in the right back area, if Ailing's playing out of position, that leaves Stuart Dallas. If we had an injury to Stuart Dallas, then you've got, I guess, Jamie Shackleton. Um, but, you know, Jamie Shackleton could easily be playing in the central areas as well. So it doesn't feel to me like Cody Drame is that far away from being within the, the, the setup. So why not? why not bring him in?
2: Well, I, I kind of get the sense that Bielsa makes decisions about who's going to be involved in the first team based on who's impressing him in the murder ball sessions rather than in under-23 matches. So, and, and I think I think those murder ball sessions are probably played at a higher intensity than... or are definitely played at a higher intensity than 23 games. So I think maybe there's something in that. It's, it's who's managed, managing to impress him at Thorp Arch on those days.
1: Anyway, again, it's another cup fixture where we've seen... Leads come out and, and and look particularly pathetic. Um, I'm thinking about the whole city game as well. Um, where do we where do we go from here, Joe? How do we look at the the cup fixtures domestically under Bielsa? Is it just a case that Bielsa is always going to t- treat those early rounds as an ex- excuse to sort of experiment? And and f- on the few occasions it's happened, it really hasn't worked out well.
3: Yeah, I think. I think he probably will. I think last season wasn't the time for a cup run, really, and I was actually quite happy um, to to play Arsenal to get a big away day, get a good day out, play really well, and and lose, which you know worked kind of worked out in our favour if you look at the the fixture list. Um, and then I sort of think the same thing this year. I just sort of think, well, we there wouldn't be a big away day anyway because there'd be no fans in, and you know, plus. Hopefully, we just stay up in the Premier League, and then we can all go to these away days anyway in the league next season. So, I th- I think going forward, I think Bielsa will probably continue to experiment, as as most managers do in the FA Cup. To be honest, unless you're unless you actually have intentions of winning it. Um, unless you're like Jose Mourinho for example I mean they played Marine so maybe that's not really fair but um, you know the top six sides don't still play really really strong teams in the Cup and you know am I bothered that we're not going to Bournemouth away <laughs> not really you know in the fourth round because we can just carry on in the league and yeah I think, that's, I think that's the way it's going to be going forward and to be honest I'd rather stay in the Premier League than get to the FA Cup semi-final or whatever
1: and obviously that that loss I think means that we will play fewer games this season than we did last season, which I think if ever there was a season to play fewer fixtures in, it's this one. So um, far be it from me to be negative about the the cut, but. In, in many respects, regardless of the fact that it was humiliating to lose in the way that we did, I think there are plenty of positives to take away um, in this instance. Um, so yeah, here we are. But I, I don't want to f- sound as though we're just making excuses as, as we put out on our Twitter feed. We, I think Crawley were well worth the win. They deserved the win and they played really well to to get it. Um, and Obviously, it would be great to see them doing well in the rest of the competition. But let us move on to the Premier League. As we've as we've talked about, we are in the Premier League and this is the, the most important thing. So that Premier League campaign will continue with a, a game against Brighton at, at the weekend. This week, I was lucky enough to talk to Liam Tharm of Albion Analytics about Brighton and this is what he had to say. So Liam, hi, how are you doing?
4: I'm not too bad, thank you.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Brighton. Um, Obviously, Brighton are just outside the relegation spots this season, but looking at their underlying numbers, the expectation would be that they would be much higher in the table uh, as, as things stand. What do you think has gone wrong so far this season?
4: Statistically, we'd be looking at a lot of wasteful finishing. Um, wasteful in the sense of, one, a lot of shots going off target, uh, and secondly, a lot of shots when they are hitting the target um, seem to be frustrating in central areas, sort of in, in easier locations, if you like, for the keeper to save. Um, so I think that's been a big sort of... Maybe an issue which I've drawn with a lot of people saying, oh, you know, Potter's been unlucky or the players have been unlucky. Look, if if we're being fair, that, as I'm sure you'll know from obviously having watched plenty of Patrick Bamford, that if you're going to make bad decisions in front of goal, um, you're going to deserve what you get. I, I can't think of a keeper this season, apart from maybe uh, Newport's keep on Sunday, who particularly had like a, a really good game against us, so that there's no games that we've gone away from when we put up really good extra numbers and gone, you know, apart from a few sort of world-class saves, we'd, we'd have won it. So um some really sort of wasteful finishing. And statistically, on, on the other end of it, um, Matt Ryan's come under a lot of criticism, which I think the numbers have may, maybe been a bit harsh on him. Um, t- to be honest, I, I think that um, his, his decision making hasn't always been bad. He's made made a few errors um, sort of here and there. Um, his numbers sort of, if you look at sort of his post-shot XG numbers across um, sort of his what will be four seasons now um, at, at Brighton, that they sort of bear out to be about an average keeper, which is pretty fair. And um, and I think for East Park's been a bit hard dealt by with as I'm sure you all know that, um you know some we've had our difficulties as well in defending set pieces this season, um which have been not very easy for him. We he's, he's conceded a few sort of wonder goals and you know had the likes of Everton when they were banging the form sort of turn up and and score four goals from sort of four big chances. Um, so he's not been dealt the easiest um sort of set of shots if you like.
1: One of the things that we tweeted out this week was about how if you look at the the underlying XG numbers, uh, both for and against, you've already mentioned this, but um, Albion have put up the same figures as Spurs this season, obviously you're at opposite ends of the table. Um, You've mentioned that there is a, a sense in which there's been bad decision making in front of goal, but is that the only explanation that you have for this XG underperformance, do you think?
4: From sort of more of a tactical coaching perspective, um, I, I took a dive into um a, a little while ago now, probably a couple of months ago, looking at sort of our big chances missed, and and one thing that I took away from it was that a lot of them were um from sort of aerial cross situations, particularly sort of with, with with headed shots. Um, and I think that when I broke down looking at sort of our left foot and right foot, xG versus goals as a team this season, we were about level, about as you'd expect for um, for for footed shots and for headed shots. Up until when Lewis Dunk headed home against Wolves, um, we scored one one headed goal. I think from about four xG. So so the, the questions that I pose there, because obviously Neil Mappai and Aaron Connolly. Two of our main threats are both good headers of the ball. Um, Connolly scored a few in his academy days. Um, a scored, I think, three headed goals last season. So they they can head the ball. Um, but there's some real sort of interesting stuff from from stats that I'd encourage people to go read actually that um looked into sort of like the xG differences. Um, when you take headed chances, um, and often from crosses, uh, shot clarity can be a lot lower. You've got bodies in the way that, that can make a difference to block shots or deflect. Um, I think have all sort of really contributed to, um, you know, being those fine margins if you like. Um, And I think that people need to remember that a lot of XG providers don't always take that into account. Um, So, you know, we can be very sort of uh, focused on the numbers, and sometimes they perhaps don't capture everything. And that's when we sort of look with our eyes and say, okay, maybe this is something that that needs to tweak a bit.
1: So, uh, when it comes down to it, do you think you'll have enough to stay up this season?
4: I would like to think so in terms of the quality of players that we have, how we've recruited, and the style of play. I think we showed that last season. Um, I think it won't be without maybe sort of a few tweaks. in terms of style of play that, that Potter last season post-lockdown, of course, he's, he's revered for sort of his uh, his high-possession approach. And we went to um, not completely the opposite, not completely back to sort of the, the approach under Hewton, but a lot less possession, a lot more pragmatic in hitting teams on the counter. And to be honest, I think that maybe style-wise suits certain players in the team more. It suits like likes of Leandro Trossard a bit more, someone who can sort of run with the ball and carry it. Who's uh, come under, again, a lot of criticism for being a bit bit hit and miss. So, Potter might make a few tweaks here and there. Um I think it might be more forced from a squad selection perspective in terms of how frequent games are. Obviously, this will be our third game in sort of six days. Um, you know, I haven't played Newport on, on Sunday and, and City over time recording this, we're playing them tomorrow night on Wednesday. Um so in terms of minutes and managing managing players, that, that might force him to tweak systems a bit more in terms of his availability. Um but I think that we should have the firepower and obviously the the underlying numbers suggest that If we can show, you know, make any tactical tweaks that will help us, make a regression that will be more than okay.
1: You're the second to last team that we have to play in the first half of the season, so the transfer window seems a long, long way away um, for in the summer. (laughs) Obviously, we're Mm. in the we're in the January Mm. window now. But how pleased were you with your business in the summer?
4: To be honest, I didn't think we had to do sort of a whole host of business. Uh, I think more came from um, actually getting rid of players who perhaps Potter had used for the time that he had, but didn't quite want or didn't quite fit. Um, that, that he got rid of. Um, obviously, the the keeping the likes of obviously I know Ben Ben White was a big transfer saga and and someone who uh, I mentioned at the time which come under a fair bit of criticism for that I said that maybe sending him wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. Um, not that I don't think he's a quality player because he is, but you know if people come barking, he was sort of forty, fifty mil was rumored or even Leeds bit up to thirty. That um, for a player who'd yet to kick a ball in the Premier League was an awful lot of money uh, who we could have potentially reinvested it, but that was under the um, prerequisites that we we brought in, I think, Joel Veltman. Um, we started had Shane in stuff at the club that we, you know, we felt well stacked with centre-backs. Um, and, and obviously, keeping the likes of Lewis Dunk as well, is always a big thing across every window. Um, the the, the ones he's, I suppose, the main ones he's brought in, um, in, in sort of Danny Welbeck and Adam Lallana, um, have, have been good, about as good as you'd expect them to be in, in terms of, um, obviously, they're both in the out for this game. Um, so I won't sort of delve into them too much. Um, but both put up good numbers in terms of sort of, well, to be fair, well, it's quite a good hybrid in terms of his creation and, and shooting. He's a good quality shooter. Um, Lalana's a good creator, particularly good with sort of the final ball and breaking sides down. Um, and he's combined as his pass over particularly nicely with Tariq Lamptey. Um, he's been sort of a real big outlet who, again, will unfortunately miss the game as we sort of talk about um, player availability. And um, One to potentially watch, I, I don't know if he'll sort of be around at all. I think he his first training session this morning. as a young lad called Jakob Moda. Uh, we signed, uh, I believe it was on deadline day, we signed him and another lad called Michael Karbonik, um, both both from um, the, the Polish First Division. They were both sent back to their parent clubs on, on loan um, and we, we've recalled him. Um, and, and Percy Tau is is perhaps one that is more likely to feature, who made his debut in Newport, um, signed him 900 days ago now and finally got got him, um, it's not a work permit, I can't remember what the new term, there's a GBE, um, basically he's now eligible to play. Um, there's a lot of hype around him, he's quite a good, versatile creator in sort of the, the final third and um, you know got a good left foot on him and picks up sort of nice advanced pockets and as a, a good sort of finish line on him as well.
1: Do you think there's going to be any further investment this January?
4: Um, I'd be surprised purely of sort of what's been said um, from Potter and, and the other staff and that they made it sort of very clear last January that um, you know that he used I think he used the phrase silver bullet in terms of looking for a striker because um, yet again people are sort of taking this notion that um, our, our finishing problems are best solved through investment and that external solution and Pod had quite a nice rant that I quite enjoyed where he talked about um, you know the, about people who are all for developing players that supposedly when it comes to the January transfer window they, they're not really bothered about what young talent you've got that you want to refine as finishing that suddenly people want a £30 million striker which I think is a very fair assessment to be honest um, so I, I don't think the club necessarily need to do business I think that they're probably somewhat better through tactical tweaks Um, I think we're perhaps stacked anyway in terms of sort of forward options. Um, Another lad, Andy Zakiri, came in um, from from the Swiss um, second division who who put up some immense numbers there. Obviously, there's attacks people want to say on what you can translate, but there's a good quote from Glenn Murray that, you know, the goalposts don't move regardless of what what league you're in. Um, So if you can consistently find good positions, um, you're going to score goals.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the on-field stuff then. So tactically, where would you say um, Graham Potter's Brighton are right now? How does he get his team to play?
4: So his, where he's coming to a lot of criticism is, is mostly his game management. In terms of build-up, obviously people were, or the overwhelming majority, it's not something that's ever really bothered me personally, and the more that I've got invested into sort of analysis and analytics that um, has bothered me even less in terms of sort of play style and play aesthetics. Um, I fully understand why people want to see nice, attractive football, but statistically um, there's not a whole lot to suggest it's any better than sort of a, a more pragmatic approach. Um, He, he likes a high-possession approach, um, but he's shown at times that he's prepared to tweak it. Often we'll, we'll play goal kick short. Um, I can quite easily see that changing, um, you, you know, t- tomorrow night in terms of with Leeds high press approach. Um, although obviously there's Russell Reward there that, you know, if we if we play into sort of the high press and, and can break it down, we're going to hopefully create some 1v1s some good chances, but he might skip it out entirely. Um, I think that will be more dictated really by sort of his team selection. If he goes to someone like Dan Byrne um, out on the left, that, that might provide him sort of a, more of an outlook um and perhaps where he he's perhaps got some more warranted criticism I feel personally anyway is is in the final third, where not necessarily a case of overplaying at times, but um sort of the frequency at which you know we we pass compared to to we shoot and look for the final ball um and we've allowed teams quite a lot to get real set defenses behind the ball, and it makes it really really hard to break teams down. I think we've been at our best when we we penetrated teams and we've broken down early and then we've been directing and gone to goal. and i think from from my standpoint, I'd rather see players risk a final ball earlier. To try, and create a, to try and create a chance um, rather than, you, you know, having that sort of ball around the edge of the box. And whilst it gives you good numbers in terms of final third pass accuracy and touches in, in the final third, that when you watch it with your eyes, and I'm not sure if anyone watched the, the game between us and sort of Sheffield United, but it became like a training practice at times of us having the ball, comes in their half and, and switching it. Um, and in the end, our, our goal came from from a set piece.
1: Where would you say the defensive weaknesses in the system are?
4: Um I think they're perhaps more borne out to us with the attacking style of play, with how expansive Potter likes his players to be often. And this is where, you know, Adam Webster is fantastic. Um I'm not sure how much he showed of it in when he was at Bristol City. Um well, obviously you, you guys would have faced them in, in the championship before we signed them, but uh, really, really comfortable and really good at sort of driving forward with the ball, um, engaging players, and that can be really good um, you know, when teams sit back against us to, to draw players out, to draw a press, sort of disrupt their shape and you can then find a final ball um, or, or play it to some more advanced. Um, so he he likes to go forward. As does Ben White, as, as of course I'm I'm sure you all know you probably know more about him than the is I've obviously had a a lot less of a sample size of the season than than what you guys had. Um, and Lewis Dunk can can be good going forward. Um, but that's the same in terms of how advanced and and the width that he likes to play with. Um one of his sort of niche things that he's been doing more recently is having Nima Mapai drop him um, to to sort of receive the ball. Um, and and then we'd have players running beyond beyond the um so I think just the, the the way in which he likes to be expansive, he likes not only high possession, but sort of high pass sequences as well. Um, we seem to do a lot of our moving the ball without moving players at times where, you know, rather than players always be carrying it, that the often, more often than not, the, the ball is, you know, the, the ball is moved with just the ball being kicked rather than being carried. Um, and of course, each time you play a pass, it's got the risk to go wrong or be intercepted. Um, I think just, yeah, as a result of that, the, the width that you plays with, how high up the pitch he puts players, that, that naturally leaves us quite predisposed to counter-attacks.
1: How do you feel about the prospect of facing Leeds, a team who are pretty much unlike every other team in the division because of their man-marking system?
4: From sort of a coaching and tactical perspective, I think it should—it has the potential to probably be—and and I'll probably end up jinxing it. It'll be a 0-0, but it could genuinely be. So I think one of the better games outside the top six this season, um, There's two sides who are quite similar stylistically. Um, obviously, Leeds have their sort of niche tweaks, as you mentioned, in sort of the man-marking, um, the press, the the relatively man-marking approach at set pieces. And um, and that has been you know that's something that obviously I think Potter will will look to exploit uh, as much as as much as it'll be a strength and I think Leeds have shown that I think for, for I might be showing sure my my age here in how young I am but um, very reminiscent for me of, of um, watching you know Blackpool under Holloway in terms of just the all out attack mentality which is great um, and and is obviously in the media I won't go into details that has had the critics and the and the um, and the pundits in sort of equal measure. Um, but I, I think, look, you know, leads aren't here necessarily to impress journalists. You're here to get points and that's what you've been doing. And I think that that is, is more promising for you. Um, so for us, we might actually relish the challenge you a bit more of a team coming to press. Um, I think it, it sort of casts me back to a good piece. I'm not sure who wrote it on, on your site about why Patrick Bamford um, might actually be more suited to the Prem in terms of, you know, teams not sitting back as much and, and coming up to pressure more. But ironically, that might actually suit us a bit more. And I'll probably say this, and we'll probably go and concede a few now um, <laughs> from sort of defensive areas. but. You know, if teams are pressing us a bit more, that actually gives us, you know, that the chance to play out a bit more effectively and um, use Yves Bissouma sort of his more revolutionised role in terms of breaking sides down. Um, it, it it could go really well.
1: Uh, you've already mentioned Ben White, and obviously Leeds will be Leeds fans will be interested in hearing your thoughts on him. Um, seems as though he's become a bit of a bit part player under Potter. What have you made of him this season?
4: He's he's been really decent. Um, I think it's hard to be overly exceptional as a centre back when you play the sort that Ben White does. Um, he, he's someone who. Is quite comfortable, you know, in sort of half spaces and wide areas, which is really nice um, for a centre-back and sort of a a possession system. Um, I I think that he was never going to live up to what the hype was because... I think purely that the role that he does for for most fans in terms of he's not always directly involved in goals, whilst he's involved in the build up quite a lot, which is really good going forward. Um, I think it's really hard for him to actually do the actions in terms of assisting, goal scoring, goal line clearances that you know fans will sort of revere him for that. That Lewis Dunk does a little bit more, um, But he's been really sort of good going forward. Um, it, it's sort of been used by Potter in games, as sort of more of more on the right of a back four, um, as well as sort of an outside centre back in a back three. Um, in his versatility, something that we always knew of. He's used him in defensive midfield as well, which is why it's not something where not that he's bad. I think he's quite decent in, in defensive midfield. I think we perhaps have better options there. I think he doesn't really need to fulfil a role there. Uh, his versatility is immense. That so I know he showed that last season. Um, really competent going forward. Um, sort of a good passing range on him. Um, and I know this was I think he had last season in terms of. I wouldn't even go as far to say a weakness, but you know he he can be dominated a bit in the air at times, um, and I think overall he's exactly what we'd perhaps expect him to be. And he's settled into Premier League life quite nicely. He's played, I think, all by one of the games. Um, I think that even in the game that he didn't play, he was rested down to more than anything than an injury. So to show that level of availability um, is really really fantastic. But you know, a good technique, um, reads the game nicely as he showed last season with his volume of interceptions. Um, a good defender on the ground, which is really really important, given how much he will be forced to sort of engage in one v ones out wide. Um, and I think he will only go on to sort of bigger and better things, and and you know, as we we saw in the summer, that I don't think it'll be long before many other clubs come calling with sort of even more substantial fees.
1: You're um, quite a flexible side in terms of systems, as you've already mentioned, and you've been regularly switching between a back three and a back four. Um, obviously, Leeds, because they play the man-marking system, are quite reactive to opposition structure. So, um, I'm always interested to hear how you think the the, uh, the your your team will, will line up. Um, so, what do you reckon we'll see against Leeds structure-wise?
4: It's difficult to know to be honest, as you say, Potter is sort of so versatile. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised. If- see him shy away from, from a back three more than anything. Um obviously the he's he stuck with that mostly this season, but the big caveat in sort of terms of uh, what players he's going to go for is is maybe largely dictated by the fact that obviously some players came off the back of two hours of football on Sunday at Newport, which um obviously Potter would, would not have wanted to have the extra time. Um but, but that, that's occurred so he's gonna have to have to deal with that and I'm sure he'll he'll deal with it well. Um I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go with, obviously, he's got a few, few things that are forced for him. I think Lamptey, Lalana, Warbeck and Connolly are all out. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him go with um, the combination that he did on Sunday, which is Nilma Pai and Andy Zakiri. Um, obviously, Zakiri is, I think, yet to start a Premier League game, um, came off, off the bench, had a full 45 against Wolves and had a really good chance to sort of level the scoring uh, with a rebound from a corner that, that he put over the bar. Um, so he fits in quite nicely already in terms of our chances missed. Um, but he's a really good runner in behind, um, really competent, again, sort of going away from central areas, making those diagonal runs. Um, and with Mapai dropping in um, to receive the ball a lot, I think he's going to need someone to complement him and go the opposite way. Uh, I think he'll, he'll probably stick with March out, out wide left. The back three's been pretty consistent this season in terms of it being Dunk White and Webster. Um, I think Joel Veltman will provide a depth cover out wide, at uh, right back. I think he's probably been one of our more underrated players this season who... Um, in terms of going forward, in the last game out against Wolves um, in, in the league, he made some really, really good um situations. And he's got a really good first touch in him. He's able to beat a player with a first touch, which is really important when teams sit deep. In the middle of the park, I think he's presumably suspended. Um, so he he's going to miss out, which hence why, you know, would pave the way for someone like Jakob to come in. Um, but I'd expect to see uh, Davey Proper and probably Pascal Gross fill that role. Um, But, you know, as I said, it could be a completely different lineup. Um, We expect to see Robert Sanchez in gold as well who Leeds fans might not know a hell of a lot about, because to be honest, most Bayern fans didn't either until he came in the season. But quite quite a toolkeeper. Um, similar sort of terms of profile to Ilan to Melia, but he's perhaps got a bit more meat on him. I know Melier is obviously, he's quite a lanky goalkeeper. Um, but but can be quite aggressive from crosses. Sanchez um, has a decent rate. I think him, Ryan, and, and uh, Melia actually rank in the sort of the top three for long pass accuracy. So can can all hit some good diagonals. And was fortunate enough to obviously write for you guys about about Melia earlier on the season. Um, and he's sort of a very unique keeper in his. Uh, I think he's I think he's left-footed as well as as every player at Leeds seems to be. Um, so so I, whilst I can't obviously guarantee that the team, um, I think there will definitely be some sort of familiar faces in there. Um it wouldn't surprise me to see Potter even tactically approach it with maybe a few more balls in behind um and, and look to sort of penetrate through um sort of that man, man to man approach sort of as early as possible. Um, and sort of yeah, yeah, be quite direct.
1: You've mentioned that there's been a few injuries for you. Um how are you looking injury wise at in the moment?
4: A, a bit depleted. Obviously, Tariq Lamptey is, is sort of the main one that that, that sits out. Um Gusted to Sierra and Connolly go um is someone who Perhaps offers more more off the ball than he does on the ball at times, which is perfectly fine. I know he's coming a lot of criticism from Brighton fans for a, a lack of goals and assists, but I think it's important to note that in a system, like Potter has, it demands as much as it does to to provide a runner, to provide a presser, can be really important at times. Um, so depleted, but that's where hopefully you know the the transfer of business that we've done will will come in good and provide us with with the cover and the options that we need. Obviously, Besouma suspended as well, and um, doesn't help things. So it will be probably quite an unbalanced. Um, eleven compared to what we've had before, it might be a completely different eleven to what we've seen at any point this season. Um, so you know, I, I having obviously mentioned players I expect to see in the starting eleven, I wouldn't be maybe surprised to see him go with someone like Dan Byrne um in in the back line to provide a bit a bit more cover. Um, and, and maybe you know, sort of shift Ben White out um in sort of, sort of a wide right area in in the back line.
1: So if we were to twist your hand and get you to to hazard a lineup for Saturday, what would you go with?
4: Oh OK, um, let's have a go here. So I think it will go for Robert Sanchez and goal. I'd be surprised to see him deviate from that. Um, I'll go for a back line of presuming that, that they're all fit. Um, I'm, I'm going to hope that um, Potter's going to be brave and look to break, break you guys down, um, you know, by playing through you rather than just, just going direct. Um, I'm not sure what it leads are like in the air this season. I know obviously you've, you've had your critiques from set pieces, um, but I'm not sure that necessarily translates to being sort of bad aerially. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to see him go March as sort of the, the wing back on the left side. Um, the standard back three has been been Dunk, White, Webster. Um, and I think Joel Veltman would, would suit out on, on sort of the wide right. Um, I think in in front of those, in front of the, the back five or the back three, if you like, um, I'd be quite happy with sort of Davy Proper and Pascal Gross. I think Gross provides you with a great final ball, uh, someone who's great in final areas to, to set up players, combine, can hit a diagonal quite nicely to someone like March, I think Proper. Um, it's probably got the best first touch in our team. That you know, a real three hundred and sixty degree player can can spin players, can carry the ball. Um, you know, is in terms of surfaces of his feet, he'll he'll pass with any part of it—toes, outside the foot, heel. He'll he'll find a way. Um, so so that just to ensure, actually, give you eleven and not twelve or thirteen. Um, that 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 will give me six. So with with four to go, um, I in in front of that um, is that four to go, five, six, seven, three to go, three to go. Sorry, that that shows you how good my maths is. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be surprised to see him go with one of Trossard or McAllister um or potentially even a Jahanbash sort of it in in the pocket. Uh, I think Alex McAllister might suit it a bit more if, it, if it's a high pressing and high intensity game. Um it's something he showed to sort of last season in in the game at uh, Leicester when we drew 0-0. Um and sort of sat back quite a lot. He had a really intense press. I think he was averaging a press about every 80 seconds or something. Um and he's obviously played in I played at Boca in in uh, Argentina, and and Leo Trossard and Ali Rezi Hambash have, have sort of both sort of ghosted a bit in, in recent games. So I I'd maybe opt for McAllister, who also offers yet another set piece threat, which obviously could could be big. And um, and in front of that, I think that it might be more force than anything, but but Pai and Andy Zakir would sort of be the partnership that, that I'd go with there.
1: One of the questions that I ask all of our guests is which players on your team need to perform well if you're to beat a Leeds.
4: Uh, that's that's a great question. I quite like that question actually. Um, ooh fundamentally i think well i'd obviously like to say all of them but to stand out in particular um one whoever's on set pieces i'd like to see we, we've been quite good on them which will, hopefully will worry you guys recently is that um our, our set piece form was really sort of picked up um created a few chances from from those situations against newport um, and not always not always like, really close to the goal either. The, the likes of Lewis Duncan, Adam Webster, um, you know, can really connect with the ball from sort of wider angles and, and from deeper distances, um, w- which is really, really important. So, you know, Paso Gross, Sonny March, Leo Trossard, whoever's on the set pieces. Um, and I think forwards um, early on in the game as well. I, I think we, we've had a big problem this season in having to chase games. Admittedly, our game management's been poor um, at times in how we've dealt with leads. Um ironically spelled L-E-A-D-S, <laughs> hopefully not, um, obviously, the alternative spelling of that. Um, so I, I think Potter as well, as obviously someone off the pitch, has to get things right. Uh, not that he's always made bad decisions, but he came under a lot, a lot of criticism for, for the lineup against Arsenal, which I understood from a game management perspective completely. So I think in terms of his subs and, and how he chooses to approach a game, if we do take the lead, or if we do go one nil down, um, you know, we almost capitulated a bit in the first half against Wolves when um, we obviously, we started well, scored, um and then got pegged back. And 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 when we went two one down, he sort of shifted Dan Burn. or sorry, kept Dan Burn where he was and shifted Solly March from the left flank to the right one, trying to invert him, be a bit more of an attacking threat. Uh, and in, inadvertently left Dan Burn 1v1 against Traore. Um, and obviously we can see the penalty through that. So I, I think, you know, going forward, scoring early and then sort of actually trying to game manage effectively and, and perhaps having a clear head is really important.
1: And another thing that I don't do on this podcast is um ask for predictions because mm. as we know anything can happen in football, mm-hmm. but what I do ask is how do you expect the game to to flow? How do you expect the the game to ebb and ebb and flow um on saturday
4: It's a really tough one to note because it'll depend more on sort of our lineup um I think potter will will want to control the game, but I think that he'll need to be realistic and, and maybe look at controlling the the game in parts and in periods. We've been a really sort of good second half team this season. Um, in terms of goals scored, I think it's twelve second half goals scored. Um, so he might almost look at it as splitting the game in two and saying, look, if we can get through this first half sort of without without conceding, that, that that might be enough for us to really look and kick on in the second half. Obviously, if there's players who have had limited or will have to have limited minutes because of you know the, the game on Sunday that they played him, and um, then he he might look at that as well. It might look to sort of game manage the first half um, and not necessarily to to show Leeds too much respect, um, in any sense, but also to appreciate that this is a side who. Um, you know, are a very goal-heavy side at both ends of the pitch um, and I think that's going to be hopefully something that he'll want to sort of stem the flow a bit of would say rather than trying to outscore um, let's sort of try and keep our clean sheet here because I, I think we've kept three clean sheets in the league all season so whilst our goals conceded hasn't been terrible in, in too many games we've conceded one or two goals um, and you know, we, we've scored enough games uh, scored enough goals, sorry to to win plenty of games it's just been, you know keep, keeping fewer out at, at the other end
1: Well Liam, it's been a real pleasure to chat to you how should our followers um keep up with what you're doing
4: okay come and join us over at albion analytics over on twitter and um, there's loads of stuff over there tweets uh, there's a podcast there's links to loads of articles uh, match previews etc um, not too many anti-leads tweets were quite nice over there so i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure you enjoy
1: well thanks so much for chatting today liam
4: thank you
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that was Liam Talm, the guy who started and runs Albion Analytics. And here we are. We are looking forward to the Brighton game uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. Um, Let's just talk about what we got out of what Liam um, was th- saying. So, Darren, you had a question about how much um, their centre backs carrying in the ball into midfield is going to be able to unbalance us. So, do you want to talk us through that question?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this is based on on Liam's um, <coughs> Liam's uh, interview, but also on some of the some of the clips that I've been watching of Brighton over the last few days. And one of the things I've noticed is that to varying degrees. All of their centre backs are quite capable of carrying the ball into the midfield. And we know that that, that is something which we've really struggled with in the past. Um, you know, going right back to, to Bielsa's first season, that, that was something which we observed as being a problem. So I, I think that what, what that points up to me is that, that our our press is going to absolutely really need to be on it to make sure that they they haven't got the space to walk into and to to find passes into their midfield. Because I I think that they are the sort of team that could cause us some damage if they're able to get past our press in in, in particularly easy ways or regularly.
1: Liam described this game as maybe one of the most interesting games outside of the top six this this season. And I think I tend to agree with that. I mean, Bielsa and Potter are both the sort of darlings of of the analytics world or at least the tactics world insofar as they're both they both sort of play positional football they're both um, they're both thinking about how to most efficiently move the ball and the players um, into the dangerous at scoring um, uh, areas as much as possible um, and they will both have different strategies for trying to break down the, the opponent doing that and I think that will make for a really interesting game in that respect yeah
2: absolutely and I was re- one thing that I was really struck by when I watched them is how high and wide they push their push players so that they play effectively they're transitioning to a three three four at times when when they're attacking um, and and they really stretch the width of the pitch and I think that could also be something which causes quite a few problems
1: Liam mentioned that an approach for Brighton may be to get through the first half without conceding. Um Joe, will this benefit leads in any way or do you think we could struggle to break them down?
3: I think it could benefit it, us in the way that we obviously like to dominate possession. Um and it could it could just help settle the game down if Brighton are coming from long away trips to to Newport and then Man City. Um and then all the way up to Leeds again, you know, like, like Liam said, they might just try and sit in and, and not concede. And then I think we can, we can easily dominate the ball and hopefully get some good chances in the first half. And, you know, it might be one of those games where that is a bit frustrating. I think if, if it goes into nil-nil at half time, that probably will benefit Brighton more than it does us. Um, but at the same time, it's nice, it's nice to get control of the game quite quickly um so hopefully if that's Brighton's approach then then we can get control.
1: So let's talk about the um the tactics behind everything. So let's start off by talking about the structure. So as I mentioned to to, to Liam and we talked a little bit about this, Brighton are quite flexible in terms of their system. They can play a back three, they can play a back four. Um he reckoned that the three four three, which is what they've tended to play this season, will will come out. So um obviously structurally that suggests that Leeds would play a four four two. Um how do we feel? How do we feel about playing four four two? Um, I guess it's the four four one four one with with one of the uh, midfielders pushing forward and the uh, and the central defensive midfielder pushing up as well. But, um, how do we feel about uh, about that structure, Joe? Would 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 you be happy seeing Leeds come out in that way?
3: I would be happy um to see that, but I think I'd be looking for a big game from Rodrigo to be honest. If he if he's the one that's pushing up. Even further as the second striker, um, like Darren mentioned earlier, it's a big threat that they can drive forward uh, from their centre backs, and they have three players that can do that potentially, um, possibly four if you know if Ben White's on, and then um, the other centre backs are as well. Um, and at times, it's it seemed that Rodrigo hasn't quite got the same intensity of pressing as Bamford does. Um, I've noticed that for a few games now that's you know sometimes he just doesn't quite look maybe he's not at, at the complete level of fitness or I'm not, I'm not quite sure what it is but I'd be looking for a big game from him because between him and Bamford, they really need to stop those those three centre backs from driving into midfield and causing us problems.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because we've we've talked a lot about how we've tried to develop this forward press this season in particular, where there's a almost a shuttling between um, the, the the forward and the one of the eights between the number ten and then the two like the two centre backs. So it sort of works in a V shape. So one will press one striker and the other will will um, will mark the, the number 10 and then if the ball goes from one centre-back to the other then the player who's marking the 10 will push out to that centre-back uh, and the, the other player will drop into the, the 10 role and I guess what I like about the four four two is that it means that you don't have to do that shuttling quite so much um, you'll have the two strikers pushing on the three centre-backs and I think it just gives you a little bit more it gives you a little bit more ability to 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 maybe stay on top of the the back line and stop them from coming out um so i i personally think that should be fine because then you have the two midfielders matching up the two midfielders in the three four three and um yeah it will be interesting to see how how that plays out uh darren how are you feeling about the structure
2: yeah, I think I think it should be good and I, I think I think that if, you know, if we do play something which looks more like a 4-4-2 with Rodrigo and Bamford uh, pressed up, I agree with you. I think I think that does uh, enable us to kind of manage their their movement of the ball uh, in uh, across the back much better. And I think it also gives you an opportunity to kind of make sure that you funnel the ball to the centre half or the centre-back of their team, who, who you feel is weakest in possession. So you, you can really kind of manage, manage the way that, that they move the ball around in that way. So I think that's something which I find quite encouraging. Um, I think sometimes when, when we play something that looks a bit more like a four four two, I think there is a risk of Calvin getting pulled up the pitch a little bit and leaving a space in behind him. And that's just something I'm a bit wary of, because I think that Brighton have got players up front who've got the kind of intelligence to drop into that hole and, and cause cause problems with our man-marking system. So that's just something that I'd be keeping half an eye on, I think.
1: Yeah, with with Calvin, I wonder... Sometimes I feel like when he plays in that two-man midfield, um, sometimes I feel as though he's too reticent to get forward as well. Um in in a defensive situation so um i wonder whether or not we'll see one of their midfielders sort of we've seen it before i think with one of their midfielders when you have the two on two one of them dropping deeper t- generally the one who calvin is marking so usually the more attacking of the two will be the player that he's tasked with with having a responsibility for and um sometimes if that player drops really deep then you can pull calvin out of position but you can also help with the build-up play as well i think
2: we saw that with Ben Rama, didn't we, against West Ham? He, he he was he was quite clever clever in the way that he moved Calvin around and created space in the centre of the pitch, and that's something which creates a bit of a worry for me.
1: Having said that, we have just realised that Calvin Phillips is in fact suspended for this game. <laughs> which yeah yeah, you would expect us to have remembered, but here we are. We we are flawed. Um, with that in mind, that means that the personnel in the in the four four two is going to be slightly different. The the same things do apply to. To Strouk, obviously is as Calvin Phillips in terms of the movement around um, being pulled around by uh, opponents, um, and it will be interesting to see how Strauch deals. I think in a in a two man midfield actually we haven't really seen that, but beyond that we've already talked about how the two strikers are going to be Rodrigo and. Bamford, we're going to have Click obviously uh, alongside Strouk in in midfield, and then I guess the two wide players are going to be the standard Harrison and and Rafinha, and I think that's what we'll we'll generally see. That leaves the question of div- the defensive line. So Joe, how do you how do you see this one taking place? Obviously Cooper's available now, so you'd expect Cooper to. To slot in where Strout was playing uh, in defence but how, how do you see it beyond that?
3: Yeah I think it's going to be it's just going to be the one change I think it's going to be Cooper in um, for Phillips so the back four, um, Dallas, Ailing, Cooper and Alioski um, which actually given Ailing's performance in recent weeks and um, you know us looking like we really missed Dallas in the cup um, I'm actually quite pleased with looking at looking at that back four it looks quite stable um it's great to have Cooper back obviously um Ayling's been playing really well as um as the right centre back and sort of making forward runs and breaking breaking the press that way um
2: so actually if that is the lineup then I'm feeling quite good about it for once (laughs) I'd be a bit worried about us getting getting trapped in in the kind of rhombus press of a 343 which I think Brighton do sometimes and and trying because I think they, they play deliberately to try stop switches of play which are kind of really fundamental to to the way that to the way that we operate so given that some of the the difficulties that we've seen um Alioski and and Dallas have in dealing with with that sort of system and and the wide you know wide players particularly Harrison in, in dealing with that sort of system I think I think there are some concerns there that we need to navigate and it's one of those where we you know the the players in the wide areas are going to be re- need to be really on it and, and Try and make sure that they're kind of careful in possession and that they that they don't give away p- a possession in stupid areas where we could get transitioned in on on really quickly.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at the lineup in, that they played against Wolves, and um, I mean, as as we've talked about with the structure of the of the three four three, it does allow you to have those two rhombuses on either side, and they can press in wide areas. But just looking at the, the players that they've got in those pre- the, those presses, they they these are all like decent defensive, I think, players. So you, on the one side, you've got um, Adam Webster, Ben White, Joel Veltman and um, Leandro Trossard. That's a decent pressing unit. Uh, on the other side, yeah, I guess Dan Byrne, Basuma obviously is great, but Mope dropping back and helping out in the press and Solly March as well. These are both, I think these are both pretty energetic um, players Pressing pressing units, so um, that will certainly be be an issue. With that in mind, I guess who are the players that we are most worried about um, in terms of who Brighton are going to put out? Um, Darren,
2: I think they've they've got a high number of injuries or suspensions. Haven't said so that they've got Lamptey, Connolly, Bisuma, Welbeck, Lalana and possibly Ben White, who I think came off with an injury at the end of the Newport game. So it'd be interesting to see whether he's fit tonight. Um, so. To be honest, it's not so much the individuals with, with Brighton that worry about. I I think Malpai Maup- uh, tends to play well against us for some reason. He seems to have a bit of a bit of a, a weird thing with us, and I think he's a decent decent player. I don't think he's a world-beater by any stretch of the imagination. But I think similar to to Jared Bowen is a sort of he's not a similar player, but is is it's similar in the sense that he he's a sort of player that could cause us problems. So, but I think I think it's. It's more to do with the system and the way they play, really, that that I've got that that will cause us problems rather than individuals. I think.
1: Is there anyone that you would add to that, Joe?
3: I think I'll just go down the classic um, set piece threat (laughs) route um, because you can pretty much say the same about every game against uh, every game for Leeds. uh, You know, no matter who we play, but um, Lewis Dunk scored against Wolves, didn't he? Um, And he's an absolute giant um so I would be a bit worried about um the matchup. but who's going to mark him presumably it'll be Cooper since um has said quite a few times that he's our best header of the ball but um yeah that that match-up does worry me a little
1: bit and you've already mentioned that um you think Rodrigo needs to play well for us to to do well against Brighton Darren who would you add to that list who needs to play well for us
2: I think it's going to be the players in the wide areas. So I, th- I think we've we've seen we've seen Rafinia do do really well, and we've seen Harrison do really well in recent weeks. But I don't think what we've really seen is them do it together at the same time that often and cause threats down down both sides. So I I think yeah, in in order f- for the game to win well, our our uh, for us to play well and win, I think our wide areas are going to need to to function really effectively, and that in- that includes you know kind of the eights getting getting in and supporting. And, and been been available to, to pick up passes from those wide passing triangles. But but yeah, I think I think Harrison and Rafinha are gonna to need to play really well in order for us to get anything out of the game.
1: As always, rather than having a prediction, um I'm interested in how you think the game's gonna pan out. So Darren, how's the game gonna ebb and flow on, on Saturday?
2: I think that that Brighton will cause problems because the, they do put up decent S- XG. They they create plenty of chances. They they, they play a really attractive brand of football but I think they're a bit nice. I I think I think they're kind of um they can they can be got at. And I think that the with with the way that with our intensity and the way that we we kind of t- attack games towards the end, I'm expecting it to be kind of close, but for us to just pull away towards the end and to to sort of really sort of dominate the last 30 minutes Um so I'm, I'm hoping that, that we manage to not give away any stupid goals in the first half and, and kind of really try and take control of the game in the second half
3: how about you Joe completely agree I, I think I think the second half is probably the one for us um, especially given that Brighton as we mentioned earlier this, this is going to be their third away trip um, in what six or seven days um and they they probably will be looking to take it to nil nil at half time and they uh they may well do that but i think once once you get to sort of 70 75 minutes um i'll be looking for brighton to see if they can really keep up um keep up the pace because i'm not so sure they will they they might start to look a bit leggy and you know if it's st- if it's still nil nil at that point then absolutely don't write us off because um you know, we're not playing in midweek and they're playing tonight, so we could really we could really use our extra energy in the last sort
1: of 20 minutes. So there you have it, there's the All Stats are We preview for the Brighton game. If you enjoy our podcast and want to get even more content, then we do have a Patreon channel which is putting out bonus um, material that is unavailable to anyone who, who doesn't subscribe. This week we're going to have a podcast uh, where we talk a little bit about the 23s and what we've learned from uh, the 23s in terms of the FA Cup game against Crawley uh, and what the, what the, I guess, what the future looks like for them. Obviously, we're in the January transfer window, so there will be players going in and out on loan as well. So uh, that will be all things under 23s. And we'll have Thomas Wilson of focus on Leeds um coming on to that podcast as well so if that sounds interesting to you head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we uh, other than that we'll be back on sunday with a review episode of the brighton game and we have potentially a few um, games coming up in the next few weeks the southampton game is on is on wednesday as well uh, or i think it's a wednesday yeah,
3: unless it's cancelled yeah
1: so there'll be plenty of things coming up from us so all that's left for me to do is to say thank you joe cheers and thank you darren and uh, thank you very much and we'll see you on sunday